This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Thanks for being with us, folks. Check out the repeats of the program. First of all, you can find us on AMI-audio at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. You want to check it out that way. That's where the first uh, of our episodes debut on AMI-audio. Repeats of the program on both networks, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And wherever you're listening into us via AMI-audio around the world, thanks for being with us. Check us out on AMI-tv throughout Canada. Kelly McDonald, Ramya Muthan. We are the hosts of the program, joining you on the Wednesday edition of Kelly and Ramya. Let's welcome in reporter Grant Hardy. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. We do this on Mondays and Wednesdays. Visit with Grant Hardy, who joins us. And Grant, appreciate you being here as usual, sir. Um, How's your day? Well, it's fantastic. Uh, You guys always get me excited with the talk about uh, autonomous vehicles it's one of these just elusive things that kind of for essentially for my entire life i've heard like this is going to be here tomorrow kind of thing or asap but nothing's really materialized yet that we can use but let's keep our fingers crossed hey yeah i used to think about it of course watching the old shows like i used to think bionics and a vehicle that drove itself. Oh my gosh, they, they've got to happen in my lifetime. It's got to be possible that vehicles were far more off than, than bionics in my head at eight, nine, 10 years old. But you know, it's so amazing what you see starting to happen in this uh, this race to make, make the autonomous vehicle happen, which more and more seems logical. Sort of like the days when talking to someone and people being able to see them face to face on an on a item, now on our phones, of course, Back in the days of uh, kids watching Saturday morning cartoons and the Jetsons was like, that'll never happen. And why? Why do you need to see him? So, Grant, where are we starting? All right. Well, we're starting with uh, something that's a little more Danielle's territory than than mine, I think. But I did find this kind of interesting. Apparently, Mm. there is a uh, Bill C-48, which has just been flying through uh, government, possibly without a huge amount of really study or review from the sounds of it. I'm not really sure, but it's made its way through the Senate. Uh, Bill C-48 earn, uh, aims to uh, make it more difficult for prolific, violent, or serial offenders to receive bail, especially for crimes uh, involving uh, weapons or intimate partner violence. And basically, the bill uh, expands the use of reverse onus uh, provisions for certain offenders. So what it means is instead of a Crown prosecutor having to prove in court why you as an accused person should stay behind bars while uh, waiting a trial, the person who has been charged has to show why they should be released. Uh, Advocates... Uh, in terms of like civil liberties are concerned that it may lead to indigenous and black and people of color uh, being continually overrepresented even more so in the jails, as well as some some more pressure on legal aid, which these, uh, uh, some of these more marginalized groups would 
rely on. Uh, and also just uh, some criticism that this really tough on crime approach that the public seems to want and that our country is adopting could be uh, supplemented by more like mental health resources rather than policing resources and that the system sometimes gets it wrong because it essentially leaves uh, mental health crises up to the police and emergency response to deal with and that can lead to more uh negative outcomes for the people involved so kind of an interesting one because as i was reading this on the one hand uh i mean in intimate partner violence is something the system gets wrong so often uh because it can just be so sort of invisible or, or difficult to prove difficult to to prosecute on the other hand i can absolutely see people who are maybe more marginalized people of color, people who have de developed an understandable distrust for the legal system, mm. people who just don't have the resources being like, I have to prove, like, how do I even prove that, you know, I am not a danger to society? It's it's literally a switch on one of the very fundamental principles of our legal system. So that's my layperson analysis. I'm sure Danielle could uh, could really help us out here. But what are your thoughts on this, guys? I mean, oftentimes uh, we know, we know the slogan or like the actual philosophy of our legal system is supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. But um, a lot of the times, Grant, I think it's obvious that we treat people as if they're guilty before uh, proven innocent. And, and that is our own biases. That's the, you know, flaws of the systems um, and the, the actual like processes that we go through and you know there are certain things that i i feel like really are just power moves like right? we're we're you have to bend over backwards and jump through hoops and especially depending on your uh, alleged offense to get bail approved to you to begin with and sometimes you know you the, it's like the system's just putting its foot down and saying no sorry we can't because right and there's really like a lot of, like you said, these back and forth, these factors of public safety, the um, stats of uh, violence between law enforcement and uh, alleged offenders, and all of these different things that are really adding to the nuances of the conversation. But nonetheless, I just think back to that that phrase, innocent until proven guilty, and I wonder if we follow through with that on a moral, ethical level. Forget all yeah. the, the legal levels. Yeah, exactly right. I feel like it's the kind of thing where, you know, perhaps if everybody had, I mean, even if everybody had fair and equal legal representation yes. top lawyer, it, it's totally that shift in like innocent till you're proven uh, guilty. But especially since some people will have uh, an unequal sort of uh, bite of the apple that that makes it more difficult. I definitely there is a lot of public safety concerns at play here, but it's hard to imagine the system sort of getting it right. Like uh -huh. the system often just seems to not really get it right when it oh, comes to evaluating risk for people. So yeah, kind yeah. of preaching to the choir, I guess. Mm. Um, Mm. And the thing is, too, like with repeat offenders, right, because obviously that's a big part of this conversation or like this uh, particular um, uh, legislation, we 
I think that that's a fair point, right, when we're talking repeat offenders. But then we got to add in the question about rehabilitation being a big part of the legal system and of the prison system and of just, like, the, the way that we're supposed to think of um, the process, right? Rehabilitation is supposed to be a huge part of that. And if you're just denying bail for the sake of denying bail, I'll put it simply that way, right. yeah, uh, how is the rehab part of it being considered? You know, like there's there's a lot to explore here. Yeah, there is. and a lot that people learn, unfortunately. And if you can't get bail, if you are a person subjected to spend a lot of time in and out of jail due to biases, and I think that really hits it in the head because of lack of representation, lack of access to it, or what expectations society has. Then I have to throw us in there, the media. When we first hear a story, something happening. How is that told to us to maybe give us some kind of impression of blame, of fault? Do we get that? Or, uh, uh, you know, whether you're saying the person's name, you're talking about the accident or the theft or the violence that happened, um, that impression that we get, is that person going to, is it going to lead to a fair trial if that's the kind of thing that's going to happen? Are you going to have to change the venue where their, their supports of support and family, friends, whatever, can't be there? For that person who's accused because, well, to have a fair trial, we have to move you. What does it take to get that fair trial, which is obviously the most important thing, get the fair trial, get the, you know, everything out there. I think some of the ownership, and I, I love this and applaud media that are trying to get it right, that have the guides like we see with the CBC guide out there to say, listen, this is how you refer to, this is how you tell a story. This is how you revisit mm. that story and sum it up for people without necessarily drawing conclusion. Now, obviously, if someone at the scene of something is recorded or heard saying, yeah, I enjoyed beating that person or committing that mm -hmm. act and no one could, you know, okay, that's going to lead, but they still are entitled to the trial as if they didn't say that, even though it's going to be used and it's going to be harder for us. But there's a lot of time um, we hear in the media something that leads us to believe, oh, well, of course they're at fault. Outside of our biases of, uh, yeah, that's that blind guy, Grant Hardy. Yeah, I've heard Grant says this or believes in that and, you know, doesn't like the hamburgers with cheese on them. So if someone tried to force him to eat, you know what I mean? There are those things that lead us down that trail. And we always want to know. We need an answer today. Never mind eight months from now when the trial's over. I know, right? It's like those, those situations where you're constantly struggling to overcome your own biases and we yes. we got to fill in those details in our brain if we don't have details we just sort of make it up right or or mm -hmm. rely on someone else to give us a, a narrative it's 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 comforting it's just maybe not the yeah. most fair to all involved and, and again i really think guys as we are talking about this it's so about the disadvantage though the expectations that we have on certain people to well they're going to be of course he did that or she did that because from where she's from we know as if we know everything about this person and everything that we we don't know their background, the situation, why would they do something like this? And even if they did, where's the compassion we have to have about helping retrain so someone doesn't offend? And again, there are those people, it can't be. And you do have to hold people accountable. Exactly, yeah, really, really 
difficult to be that guy that says like, oh, I have some sympathy for this potential criminal. But when you look at the, you know, the state of our society and people trapped in the uh, just those those cycles of absolutely crime, systematic discrimination and oppression absolutely not condoning any criminal acts but you you can see where this tough tough on crime approach often doesn't have the effect that we think it will have and that uh, sometimes at the end of the day we have to do the the harder thing and and look at rehabilitation and structural change Mm. to society and breaking the pattern right the repeat the circumstance because sometimes we say well the reason they're this way is because they do these things not long after they come out of jail, after they've been in jail, learning how to do these things and thinking when they come out, they can do them better. Oh, and the only reason they think that is because the circumstance when they come out is back to the same, mm-hmm. which was what initiated It's not them. meant to but succeed, yeah. Yeah, how can it? It's all you know, and if no one's giving you a chance because you keep digging deeper, deeper... Because you're um, not rehabilitated, into it, back into society. That's right. Exactly. And... And the steps just get worse and worse and harder to climb out of that pit. Mr. Hardy, thank you, sir. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Grant Hardy, reporter, producing and bringing great stuff to our program. We talk to him on Mondays and Wednesdays as part of our headline segment where we learn so many great things, get into so many interesting conversations. As Grant said, a bit of a a heavy topic because, unfortunately, we don't have that answer. We don't have the solution, Rum. It's just stuff to think about and hopefully we'll be able to empathize a bit with. Um, Let's uh, see what Greg David has for us. He's in here next because the Golden Globe nominations for the year are out. We cover the top TV categories when he's with us in two minutes for our TV chat. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.